This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. January 6, 2021, was a Wednesday. On a radio hit in which I was discussing what to expect as Congress met to certify Joe Biden's Electoral College win, I described it as the hump day from hell. No stranger to hyperbole, I nevertheless had no idea at the time how true that would be. I told people to expect a cumbersome process with an unprecedented number of members of Congress expected to object to different states' certified electors. What we got was a two-pronged coup attempt, members objecting to the results on unfounded claims of voter fraud and a violent mob invading the Capitol, a one-two punch to disregard a free and fair election and keep Donald Trump in power. I was not at the Capitol on that day, but I was directing reporters covering its events. It was the most difficult day I've ever experienced in more than 20 years as a journalist. I focused on crisis logistics and avoided anything that interfered with trying to keep people safe while they did their jobs under dangerous circumstances. I no longer have to imagine how hard it was for some of my colleagues on the grounds, because Tom Williams, Bill Clark, and Chris Chaffee have graciously agreed for this podcast to reflect on their experiences leading up to the events of that day, during the attack and its aftermath. One year out, this is what happened in their own words. January 6th, we, uh, all the photographers and press went into the House chamber to photograph the electoral college count. And that's typically, you know, just kind of ceremonial. They came in with these big leather bound ballots and take the ballots out and hand them to the people on the podium. And the vice president will, you know, announce, you know, this state went for Donald Trump, this state went for Joe Biden, et cetera. My job was to go down to the rally on the ellipse and cover Trump's speech and shoot, shoot photos of, of the crowd, what's going on there in the morning. While covering, covering the rally, I stayed about halfway through Trump's speech and decided that it was uh, time to head back to the Capitol and file the pictures. I showed up that morning and there were already people gathering outside the Capitol on the edges of the riot fencing. And, you know, just as a normal course of reporting, I went up and talked to some folks that morning and just asked them who they were and where they were coming from. But I noticed a lot of the Trump people were outside on the East Front lining up. Uh, East Front's like the side where the Supreme Court is, uh, lining up outside these little fences. And there was like hundreds of them and you know, only a handful of cops. And I'm like, okay, I figured that would happen. I knew the president was speaking and I figured all his people would be coming up to the Capitol. I could start to see people in places where I knew they shouldn't be. There were rioters who had climbed up on the grandstands and there were rioters in this little, um, it almost looked like a crow's nest on a ship. There was like a bunch of people in this little like, pirate's crow's nest with big Trump flags um, and other paraphernalia 
protest paraphernalia. And I thought to myself, you know, that's that's pretty weird. That that probably shouldn't be happening. Uh, the police had said the building was locked down. You couldn't get in or out except through a couple entrances in some of the office buildings. And so it seemed at that time that things were under control. I arrived back at the Dirksen Senate office building where our workspace is and filed my photos. And about that time, I started hearing talk of flashbang grenades and a riot happening on the west front of the Capitol. I immediately picked up my, my cameras, ran into the Capitol building to get a view out of the second floor windows of the Capitol to see what was going on. Uh, I shot some photos um, first at the east front from the windows where there were barricades and a couple of cops uh, kind of standing guard and then uh, looked out on the west side and saw the huge crowd. It was at that point I decided that I needed to get outside and uh, go to the West Front. And I went up to the window and it looked like some of the protesters had broken through. Uh, there was a bunch of cops coming in from both sides, the East Front and the West Front to the crypt area, which is directly below the rotunda. And they were, uh, they had obvious eye like trauma to their eyes. So they probably got hit by tear gas or whatever. They were getting water poured on them. Their colleagues were assisting them. Um, and I started making my way down to the West front area, the tunnel that eventually got all clogged up with all those rioters and police. And you could see out the West front, how uh, rioters had climbed up on to the uh, scaffolding. All of a sudden, while James Lankford was sort of outlining his objections to the electors from Arizona, um, overlooking the Senate floor, and I saw someone kind of rush down the aisle in the chamber uh, and head for Senate uh, pro tem at the time, Chuck Grassley. They were running down. They grabbed him. They, um, at that time, underneath us in the gallery, uh, they had pulled Pence out of the chamber and they kind of just jerked Grassley up to gavel out the the session at the time and so um yeah unbeknownst to me uh in the gallery behind us uh they had been telling journalists you know essentially look you're in or you're out if you come in the chamber we'll do our best to protect you um but if not you're on your own cops were like running past me and about a couple other photographers and they weren't saying anything to us which was very unusual because like in a situation like that, where there's like chaos and protesters around, they usually tell you to get back to a certain area, but they weren't paying attention to us at all, which uh, said to me they had much bigger problems. So that was like the real first indication that something's seriously wrong. At that point, um, communication started breaking down as far as Wi-Fi and cell signals. I believe everything started getting cut around the Capitol grounds. The police wouldn't let me in. I was trying to communicate with our other photographers, Carolyn Brayman and Tom Williams, who were inside the Capitol, tried to give them some intel on people trying to break into the Capitol on the East Front. Eventually, I made my way to the second floor to the House steps where members would come and go for votes on the inside. And that's when riders, I saw them, they had police like right up against the door. 
and a police officer, he kind of let me go for about a minute. And he's like, all right, you got to go. You got to go shelter. So I went up to the third floor to the house gallery press area where I had left earlier and the door was locked. All of a sudden I'm sitting in the chamber kind of still watching what's going on and a crush of reporters kind of piles into the chamber. Um, and then you practically could hear the doors locking as we were all kind of piled in the chamber and huddled kind of under the, it was like a balcony um, with like a lip. So we were kind of like hiding under the thing, kind of just like trying to figure out what was next. Some uh, police told us to follow them and ran us down to shelter us in the house chamber uh, up on the third floor of the gallery like on the first lady's side. So we had to run all the way around and they threw us in there. And there was, uh, first thing I saw were some members up, up there. They looked very solemn. It was kind of a waiting game. You know, members were on their phone telling families they were trying, they were safe. Uh, members who had a security detail like McConnell had his detail right next to him. Um, there were members who started to kind of gather and chat in groups. But everybody was very tense. Um, and then we started getting, uh, we got an announcement to Dawn gas masks and they're under the chairs. Um, so I got that out. I started fiddling around with that. It wasn't, I was really concerned because I had my computer. I couldn't operate my cameras. I couldn't really open this gas mask thing. I couldn't see the main door where I was. I was looking at the podium and I go over and you got cops with the guns drawn. You got members and security with the giant bench and they're throwing it up against the door. You couldn't see the rioters. They were through the door and the members and security are yelling at them on the other side. You could see like broken glass on the bench that they tried to, uh, that they tried to, uh, you know, smash through with some kind of object. A member of Congress, Congressman Nels, had a sign and he had it up like almost like a battering ram. And he was like kind of threatening them at the door with that. And then all of a sudden um, an order kind of came for the senators to, to evacuate. And so we started seeing them run out under sort of the backside of the chamber. The floor got evacuated and then they kind of got to us. Um, there was chaos. We could hear, you could hear banging. You heard the gunshot just prior to when we left. So knew there's a lot of stuff going on outside we just you know couldn't see it so that's when we kind of got a view of the actual rioters we were all kind of running together in this sort of long line of people so i think when people kind of ran down in the tunnel staffer and senators were together as we went to the office buildings where we ended up hiding out for many hours but this was remember this was before we had vaccines it was definitely a situation where there were a lot of people really close together in a place where your health was not the top concern but certainly you were vulnerable to getting covid so they eventually evacuated us down to rayburn subway we made our way to longworth and there's maybe 15 members of the press kind of like straggling in the back of this member line. And they sheltered the members in a big room. Um, 
And they're like, oh, no press. So we just kind of hung out in the hallway, uh, just kind of sitting there. I'm like, all right, I got to start filing. So I sat down on the ground and Mr. Gallego from Arizona comes down. He's like, all right, you guys come with me. And he motioned all these press, like a dozen or so. And we sheltered in his room for or his office along with for a few hours. Once we got to this undisclosed location uh, in one of the Senate office buildings, they pulled the senators all together in like an inner room. And then we were kind of in the vestibule in front of it. The staffers and mostly reporters were in that area. And then in front of us were, you know, people with a lot of guns. And as the day went on, that number of law enforcement grew. We started seeing FBI folks, National Guardsmen, um, which kind of tracks with what we know now to be the case where they were calling in these law enforcement agencies to kind of assist Capitol Police. But yeah, we were there for many hours. And the first hour or so, we were just filing. Maybe the first hour about we were filing, still not realizing what's going on. Then somebody finally got a TV on and it's like an overall the outside of the Capitol building. And it's like, whoa, all the police presence and everything. We didn't realize, you know, it was completely surrounded almost. So that was the first indication and of, of, you know, our view outside. And then um, I actually had a phone call. I had a phone call with a reporter at roll call. They were doing like a firsthand account. So I was giving him, I was telling him what I saw. And the photographers are like on their computers and on their phones looking up pictures. And I just, I just yelled like, holy shit into the phone because somebody had showed me a picture and it was Wynn McNamee's picture of the guy in the Senate chamber, like hanging by one hand. It's like, wow, they actually got into the Senate chamber. And we had, you know, we had no idea how close rioters had gotten on that Senate side or the rotunda and all that stuff. We hadn't seen that at that point. The Capitol was finally cleared of protesters in the early evening. Congress headed back that night to finish what they had started, certifying the presidential election. Throughout history, this has been among Congress's most pedestrian and ceremonial affairs, designed to formally reflect the will of the voters as certified by the states. In 2017, it was somewhat interesting because Vice President Joe Biden raised his voice. In 2001, It was interesting because Vice President Al Gore presided over his own contentious defeat to George W. Bush for the presidency. Even though January 6, 2021 was finally over, the implications from that day clearly are not. Yeah, it's still it's still hard to believe that every those people could actually get into the Capitol. That's kind of hard to believe. It's kind of like 9-11 when you when you used to go to New York back in the day and those towers weren't there, it's like, did that really happen? So it's still kind of hard to process that that even happened. I think that what we do know is that for a whole generation of staffers, this was their 9-11. This was like a seminal moment for them where they won't forget where they were on January 6th and it will change the way they approach working in the complex that the Capitol is a unique workplace because when you work in a normal office, having the occasional bomb threat or suspicious package or, oh, you know, every once in a while, there's like a scare about having an active shooter in the building. Those aren't normal things that happen at your typical office. I'm not sure if there's been a transition. It was Immediately after January 6th, the fences started going up. The National Guard arrived. 
and life at the Capitol just completely changed for a number of months. We had, you know, had to go through checkpoints to get in to the Capitol complex, you know, pass armed troops, and it was just kind of a surreal experience, you know, living almost feeling like you're living on a military base for a while. You know, at, at the time, it didn't bother me too much. Um, I've covered a lot of chaotic news events from you know, the Olympic Park bombing in Atlanta in 96, you know, an abortion clinic bombing where a bomb went off while I was there. Um, September 11th, I've been in some chaotic situation so the you know the events of the day didn't really shake me but it was more you know starting to look back on it whereas our democracy almost failed came really close and i i feel like we're really lucky that that everything is still holding up so far and i'm i'm worried about the future how how the next couple of elections are going to uh, come out and if all the guardrails are going to hold. Looking forward, this certainly could happen again. And it probably will. I mean, just a couple of weeks, uh, neo-Nazi group marched from the Lincoln Memorial to the Capitol, armed with shields and flags and everything. And yeah, I think it's totally possible, but I hope it doesn't. That's the thing about this that's so difficult is that January 6th touched so many different parts of not only capital, but like of government, whether it's a contested presidential election, it's security in the capital, it's lawmakers having various comments in the days after and then changing course a bit. And so I think that that page in our history books is still not written yet. We'll have to wait a while to see what, what we remember or have changed in 10 years from now or maybe even longer. For the first time in U.S. history, an incumbent president who lost the election refused to concede and agree to a peaceful transfer of power. But the blame is not squarely on the shoulders of Donald Trump. There were the thousands of people he encouraged to fight like hell, and they did just that, overrunning the Capitol and ransacking the building. There were the members of Congress, cultural figures, and the conservative media who egged those people on and either encouraged or tolerated Trump's totally unfounded allegations of voter fraud. And there were the members of Congress who, even after the Capitol was violently breached in ways not seen since the British burned it during the War of 1812, voted to object to the certification of states who voted for Biden in a fair and square election. Congress did eventually certify the election, and the people responsible for the riot are being investigated and prosecuted. But the violence of the day, coupled with the lack of remorse among leading Republicans for their willingness to not abide by the results of the election, does not bode well for the democratic process. Democracy only works when people play by the rules. 
If one side is willing to not just disregard the rules, but condone violence and then subsequently underplay it, the American experiment fails. If threats and bear spray and mayhem replace trust and ballots and certifications, then we don't have a democratic republic. We have the law of the jungle. That's what makes bearing witness to what happened that day so important. Democracy prevailed barely. People overcame the danger to do their jobs. In the job of governing and elections, doing the right thing sometimes comes down to putting your head down and surviving. It's the job of journalists to record these events, to make sure people see and hear and experience the story, regardless of how tough and traumatic it can be. This has been a difficult year for American democracy and those practicing it and covering it. To be honest, the challenge is greater than ever. What will it mean if people who don't believe in democracy get elected themselves, for instance? In 1787, when the Founding Fathers completed the Constitutional Convention, Benjamin Franklin was asked whether America would be a monarchy or a republic. He answered, a republic, if you can keep it. The question is as relevant as ever. 